0: Thank you. welcome 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 to my thing is this podcast i'm your host troy Sampson, and each week we talk about what's going on in the world and as we talk about that i let you know my thing is this about what's going on in the world again i'm your host troy Sampson. welcome to the my thing is this podcast stay tuned buckle up and enjoy the ride Happy Sunday, happy Sunday, everybody. This is Troy Sampson, on the My Thing Is This podcast. I'm your host this week. This is the week ending February 6, 2022. We got a lot to talk about today on the podcast. I actually got two guests in the studio today uh, that I'm going to be going to be talking about Our Thing Is This. and we like, I'm not my thing is this, our thing is this. They're going to be sharing their thoughts and opinions on some topics we're going to be talking about. So we got two guests on today with us. Um... They're connected via Zoom because I haven't figured out how to get this thing on video yet. I'll figure that out later on. But I got them on Zoom and they're connected to my equipment through that way. And so the first guest I want to introduce, you had it. We had him on last week. My brother in Christ, my brother in love, Mr. Daryl Wilson, all the way from the ATL area outside Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just to recap, Daryl is a senior director of operations for a company, a large company outside the, outside outside the. Uh, metropolitan area or around the metropolitan area of Atlanta and then of course I got another guest this is a first time guest It's probably one of the biggest fans because every time I do a podcast he called me up talking about man this helped me get me through my you know my, my joint every you know every time I go to work I that, listen this get me through my joint and that's my brother my brother in love uh we I mean we known each other this brother I've known for gosh it's over 40 years probably um, I guess pretty much from kindergarten until now and we graduated high school together. Um, of course I'm married to his beautiful cousin and um, we, we like brothers man. Um, I won't tell I won't share no stories on here especially the bike store. I won't share that but uh, my brother Gavin Milligan is on the call too with us today so I'm going to give you a round of applause here real quick brothers. And bring y'all in uh welcome to the my thing is this podcast brothers well well, thanks for having us (laughs) Joe. yeah glad to be here glad to be here one thing i will say
1: i look i looked up to both of y'all brothers coming up to school so (laughs) let me just put that plug in you know um you guys are a little couple years older than me but you know always uh admired and kind of looked up to both of y'all as you were going navigating your high school career so i'm glad to be on here with Two of Groove
0: City finest. <laughs> I know that's right. I know that's right. See, hey, listen. For, the, for, for, for anybody that don't know, we represent the 21613. One, we represent Absolutely. the 21613. One, a lot of people, when you said Groove City, a lot of people, Groove City? That's Cambridge, Maryland, man. Groove City live, baby. We used to yeah. hang, you know, go up top. Uh, you know, I yeah. remember going up top as a young kid to Gentleman Droves <laughs> and Legacy and the Elk yeah. Home and all those businesses and stuff like that. You know, even back mm. in the day, even before those, we used to go around a, a, a Edgewood Avenue to the clubhouse. <laughs> yeah, Cheetah's Pub. Cheetah's Pub. All that stuff. Yeah. But uh, I'm just so thankful and blessed to have you brothers on, man. Um, I'm just trying to you know, add a little voice to the world. And, you know, a lot of people have podcasts, but I think, okay, well, I can do one too. I mean, we're just getting on here just talking. And um, it's all about just having a conversation, really. I I used to think this was going to be super hard to do. I mean, I hear so many people, you know, they got engineers, they got all this, they got all that. But I found a small piece of equipment that I uh, found on Amazon that allows me to do it, allows me to upload my stuff, my content to Anchor and Spotify. And that's it. So now I'm going to try to figure out the video piece of it and uh, continue this thing and share with the world. I got a couple other ideas for a separate podcast. Um, as you guys know, I'm a, a special needs dad. My son is living with autism, ADHD, and uh, special needs is near and dear to my heart. Uh, matter of fact, yesterday, uh, big plug the First Baptist Church of Glenard. My church, we were doing the packing of the bags, gift bags for Night to Shine. Tim Tebow does a prom every year, the Valentine's Day weekend at Friday for... Individuals live with disabilities. Where everybody's count, cre- uh, king and queen, and we give a lavish, you know, spread. Everybody comes dressed up in tux before the pandemic. We have it at the church. Everybody would dress up in their tuxedos and they prom gowns, and mm. you know, whether you're able body able to walk in or in a wheelchair, everybody dressed up. I mean, these are individuals with special needs with, you know, different types of disabilities, and we just there to serve them, man, and, and give them a good time. And one of the things that really blessed me about that is watching a look not only of the participants, we call them VIPs, but their parents you know, their parents come, their parents get to go into a separate um, overflow room and they get to see everything that's going on on the big screen in the overflow room. We serve them dinner and d- drinks as well, but it's a full course bu- full course dinner for our participants. We got music, uh-huh. and entertainment, you know, we got different, we got a dance room, we got a, a photo booth room, so many rooms for them to just navigate through. We had a shoeshine room. I remember serving in the shoe shine room one year. Shushan slash makeup room where you know we got volunteer local makeup artists volunteer their services and time to come in and um do makeup for the young ladies that come and we do shushans for the young men that come and there's a coat check right it's a formal it's a big thing and the last what last year and this year again it's going to be virtual so that's the one thing that's really you know um not so great about it is because it's going to be virtual um. Again this year. And so we were packing the bags. So I was at the church all day yesterday doing that and having people set up to deliver the bags to our uh, participants and their families. And so as a matter of fact, I got to call my family today after we get done and set up a time where I can drop their bag off before Wednesday. But it's a great event. Um, And um, Tim Tebow Foundation has put this on, Big Ups to Tim Tebow. And speaking of Tim Tebow, former NFL football player, former University of Florida Heisman Trophy winner, we're going to segue right into football. And the big story this week (laughs) was Coach, or as Mr. Aja used to say, Coach, 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 Coach,
1: Coach, Coach, Coach. (laughs) Uh,
0: Brian Flores, a former uh, Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores made the news when he dropped this uh, bombshell on the NFL um, after being fired and also seeing, actually what tipped it off for him was, being congratulated by Bill Belichick um, for the Giants job when Bill Belichick got the wrong Brian. Because, you know, Brian uh, Flores was on Bill Belichick's staff and also Brian Dayball, who's the, been named the head coach of the Giants, was on that staff too. And I think a couple days before that Thursday that Flores was supposed to go interview with the Giants or so take a second interview, he got a text from Bill, Bill uh Bill Belichick saying Belichick. congratulations. <laughs> yeah, saying congratulations on getting the Giants job and they were going back and forth. He was like, are you sure? He said, I'm, my interview ain't until Thursday. And He was like, are you sure? And then he finally asked the question, "Is are you talking about Brian Flores or Brian Dayball? And when Belichick realized in a text message, he said, the text message, oh, I effed up. I and know. so, that's 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 what yeah. Brian Flores is saying <laughs> that led to him filing this lawsuit. But I want to get your guys' thoughts on this lawsuit and just the state of the Rooney Rule with the NFL, Gab, you go first. <laughs> hey,
2: well, I got to tell you, the the Rooney Rule and, and law, okay, was established because of exactly what Flores is talking about: um, the the lack of participation, the lack of interviewing processes that go on within the NFL, and and his 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 lawsuit is it brings a, a light to the to the to the machine right now that is not operating correctly.
0: Mm. Okay. I yeah. agree with that. And uh, hey, that's on so point. Daryl, what's your what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I was listening to that interview with Dungey and uh Rich McKay, McKay mm-hmm. the the president and CEO of uh Falcons. Okay. Right. And he was part of the group that established the Rooney rule. Mhm. And basically, he was talking about, well, the Rooney Rule was established to slow the process down, because back in the day, all the owners would do is call about four or five coaches, right, or four or five, you know, well-known coaches, mm-hmm. and be like, hey, do you know this guy? Do you know that guy? Um, you know, what uh, What? What can you tell me about him, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and, and then they made a decision right off the bat, right, with that. The Rooney Rule was established to kind of slow that down and, and allow people you know, to get in front of these owners and in front of the GMs and everyone to, you know, state their case, right? But um, as Rich McKay said, the Rooney Rule got out of whack, right, from what the way it was originally established, right? And they went back to this this, this fast-paced, you know, let me call a coach and find out about these guys and that sort of thing. Um, and make decisions up, upon that. Um, but I, I think, right, I, I mean, I think they messed up, right? I, I think, you know, the fact that Belichick knew, right, he, he really, to me, I mean, you let the cat out of the bag, you know, what they say. But the fact that he knew something about the hiring process before Brian Flores even was interviewed is an issue, Right. So that kind of validates what Rich McKay was saying. Hey, we used to call up coaches and just find out about these individuals. Well, yeah, they probably called up Brian, uh Bill Belichick and and talked to him more about these two coaches than than they needed. Right. Probably even went to so far as to say, yeah, we're leaning on we're leaning on, you know, uh the other Brian as the head coach and, and all that. So Um, that's my take. I think, I think Belichick, you know, shouldn't have known that much detail. He should only been a resource Mm -hmm. or a reference. Mm -hmm. Right. Just like we all have, you know, you put your references down, they call your old boss and get kind Mm -hmm. of some insights. But I think he's too ingrained in in that process.
0: Well, and, and both of you guys make very, very uh, excellent observations. Here's some things that I came across in addition, just, you know, kind of paying attention to what they're saying and what they're saying in the media a couple things stand out for me. Number one, the NFL immediately dismissed it as if it was BS. That's the first thing mm-hmm. they did. And they shot mm-hmm. themselves in the foot with that. The second thing is, is that it took several days after he went on ESPN and all this other stuff, all of a sudden, all those teams that he's accusing, and even Hugh Jackson, who accused um the Browns of asking him to tank for money too, all of them mm-hmm. waited. Several days before they decided to respond and say it's, it's not true and this is BS, mm-hmm. you know, Elway and mm-hmm. said, well, you know, when we came in off a flight, we were disheveled a little bit. He mistook that for da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Here's what I look, here's, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm seeing, and I'm going to give you a couple quick points here and try to make them as fast as I can so I, so we don't belabor this point so we can move on to our next set of topics. The first thing is, it's a legitimate lawsuit. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second Mm -hmm. thing is, in order for this lawsuit to really do some damage, he has to get other coaches to to join the lawsuit. Number three, now the players, even though they are covered under the NFLPA, because there's no union for the coaches, the stars have to start speaking up now, right? Mm -hmm. Because the most radical thing they can do, right, is start taking a knee again or sit down. Mm But Mm -hmm. but it's going to take your stars. And when I say stars speaking out, right, this is where we talk about, because this is about race. This is where race in this country really, really shows you where people sit, right? How many players that don't look like Brian Flores have come out in his defense? The only one I've heard of or seen was Rob Minkovic, and that was because he was on ESPN, and he spoke highly of Brian Flores and said he stands with Brian Flores because Brian Flores was his first coach. But he said Brian he thinks mm-hmm. the world of Brian Flores because Brian Flores basically helped him survive in New England because he was on the borderline of possibly being a practice squad guy, but Brian Flores coached him up on the special teams and his career ended the way it did, which he ended up being a, a, mm-hmm. a, a starter, winning Super Bowls, stuff like that. But you don't hear anybody else. Where's Tom? Even Tom Brady's retired. Where's Tom Brady at? You never like. I, I'll give you an example, and I, and I hate to go here with this, but there's several white players in the league that are dating black women. Travis Kelsey being one of them. Where's Travis Kelsey on this? Is he going to speak up? Is he going to speak up for Eric B. Enemy? And so, what you have here, you have a system in place where. People are going to do and hire who's familiar with them, who, they're familiar, who they share something with, right? So when you start looking at the landscape, what is this really doing? Then here's the other thing I just found out just by two YouTube videos I saw over the weekend. One was Stephen A. Smith. And this was the one time I actually listened to him because I think Stephen A. Smith is, <laughs> uh, whatever. But he said, he pointed out to, who was it? It was... The big squad group, Marcus Spears, and I think the other one might have been Ryan. No, it was uh, Bomani Jones. He said, I'm going to say this to you guys, and I'm going to let you guys have the floor. He said, do you know that the Mara guy that owns the Giants is a part of the NFL's diversity committee, but yet the Giants have never had a black, is the only franchise in football to never have a black coach, but he's on the diversity committee. You got Rooney Rooney II, whose father is, Instituted the Rooney Rule Roo is on that committee too, but he's sitting tight because he's got Mike Tomlin, so he's not going to say too much. Your father created the rule; you should be out in the forefront saying, "This is how you mm-hmm. do it." Look at what we're doing. This is how you do it. Look at the success we had. But you're hearing nothing from him. So that's the other thing. And then Tony Dungy did an interview with Dan Patrick, where he talked about he didn't. He said the NFL has a problem. He talked about the whole race thing, but the what he's trumpeting with the NFL, what he's pushing with the NFL is the whole process of deciding on coaches is flawed anyway. He said, there should be no hiring of any coaches while the playoffs are going on. And here's where he goes into detail. He says, because the reason why is, if you're looking at, like, Raheem Morris is the defensive coordinator for the Rams, right? Mm -hmm. If you're looking to to, to interview Raheem Morris, well, he's in the middle of a playoff run. He's got to squeeze Mm -hmm. in a day, which means he doesn't have, because he's preparing defensive schemes for each opponent they face every week. He ain't got time to study your organization, see what your roster looks like, and answer all those pertinent interview questions when you ask them about the organization. What could you do for the organization? Because he's focused on the playoffs. And so Mm -hmm. for, for Tony Dungy's point, and I agree with him 100%, He it should be a situation where they should wait until the playoffs are over with to decide on hiring head coaches. But here's the other troubling thing. Even in the midst of that, when all this stuff hit, they're still hiring coaches that are not of color, even after he filed his lawsuit. Now, Doug Peterson, to Doug Peterson's credit, right, he's probably the only one on that list that's been hired that is a justifiable hire. He's a Super Bowl winning coach. He's a quarterback guru. Jacksonville needs both of those because they got Trevor Lawrence, my guy from Clemson, Mm -hmm. who needs to be developed. Mm -hmm. Peterson's that guy that can develop him. Then he just won a Super Bowl. You're not going to, you know, how you could pass on a Super Bowl winning uh, coach, you don't pass on him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even though some of them don't always live up to the hype, I hate to say it about your squad down in Texas there, Mr. Wilson. But yeah. Mike McCarthy is, uh, you know, he's a Super Bowl winning coach, but uh, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> so those are my thoughts on that. Um, and one last round table on this. I'm going to get you guys' opinion. If you were in these, if you had a magic wand to wave to solve this problem, how would you solve it? Go ahead, Darrell.
1: All right. How would I solve it? Right. I, I think, first of all, I would, you know, I had to, to use this word reform, <laughs> but but I mean, they got to get to the root cause of this issue. Right. I mean, they really need to look at not not just throw like stuff like the Rooney rule at it and throw, you know, different buzzwords and terms. Right. But really get down to the root cause of of why. This is happening. Why don't we have more coaches, you know, to represent, um, you know, the, the general 70 percent minorities that are in the NFL. Right. Um, once you figure out the root cause and you go from there. But I, but I think right now what I would do, I would get insight man, from other coaches. I would get insight from players. I would get I would just go and, and do my homework. Right. Um, to figure out, OK, like I said, what are the issues? What are the root cause? Why aren't we doing this? Right. And um, and establish a process like Tony Dung trying to do, establish a process and procedure. And oh, by the way, not just establish it amongst the owners, but kind of get the, the head o- NFL head office involved, um, the executives, the owners and the players union. Right. Does this work? Does this process work? And then go out and, and test it right? Um, But it needs a total revamp. It it definitely does. I mean, and you look at, and I was trying to put things in in a corporate perspective, because that's kind of what I'm familiar with, you know, but people talk about, and and I think this is likened to affirmative action, things like that, right? People Mm -hmm. talk about affirmative action. Affirmative action is old. It's old now. We don't need it. But, you know, In my mind, and and this is, uh, you know, this is my opinion, right? This is the my thing is this podcast. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right?
1: Right. But in my my mind, it's to get us a seat at the table. Right. Get Mm. us a seat at the table and then let our credentials do the rest. Mm -hmm. And let our, you know, but if we don't get a seat at the table, that, that, in my mind, as far as firmly back. if we don't get a seat at the table, if you're not a, thinking about us and we never get a seat at the table, then we can't show you what we can do. Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. we really don't we don't have anybody else out there uh, uh, lobbying for us. Right. So get us a seat at the table. So that that's what I think. I just think they need to look at the whole, entire process from wing to wing and, and figure out where the gaps are and get get a good procedure and process in place and you know and get buy-in from all the levels of the nfl on what they want to do going forward not just make it an owner's thing
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: it, it needs to be everybody on down to the, the president of the prayer union or, or even some of the prayer union so all right g-, that's what
0: g-, g militant
2: yeah 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 well well thanks for having me on the show again and and uh um, and daryl i i agree with you a hundred percent in regards to the, the affirmative action okay Affirmative action is, is, n- is never gone away. Okay. And in this particular instance, the NFL itself, it has to come from the top execs all the way down to, uh, the trainers. Okay. And, and the medical field, because there's also a disparity in regards to those individuals in those sea levels. I think Tony Dungy mentioned it in his letter that, uh, the sea level, um, employees such as your your hospital physicians your team trainers your um you know there's a disparity in those people also so this has to come all the way from the top of the nfl all the way down to those particular players Mm -hmm. that there has to be revamped and overhauled the same way that an organization comes in and cleans house this has to be cleaned up it has to be cleaned up and, and not just from from the owner standpoint, because if you look at the senior, the senior owners, okay, you have your Jerry Joneses, you have your, um, uh, your, 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 your guy up in new England. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those, those craft, the craft Mm -hmm. craft. Okay. Mm -hmm. They've, they've owned their guys, the Rooneys, Okay. They've owned, you know, they've owned these, these franchises for so long. And Troy, I agree with you. Rooney should be, he should be forefront with a, with a, with a stick in his hand, beating down doors, saying, "Look, man, my, you know, it's named after my father. This is what we have to do." And 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 for him, you know, to sit back because yeah, he has Mike Tomlin, but Mike Tomlin has been there fifteen years. How long is he going to last? Okay.
0: As and long as he Pitch- get, they, listen, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a winning record every season since Mike Tomlin has been there. That's why he's lasting. Well, they well, they they, you know, they, get, they they put themselves in a position to get a with a shot at winning. Yeah, but that's you why bring I'm up still a there. good point,
1: and I and I know Gavin's still going, but but then but Miami also had winning season with Brian Flores so, <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. The last two years exactly the last
0: two years. But if the your owner years. wants you to tank games and pay you a hundred thousand dollars get to get Joe Burrow, then that's the reason why he got fired. Uh huh. Uh huh. So but, yeah, go ahead, Gabe. Um, but
2: getting yeah, but getting back to my point too. Okay, you know from from the from the top to the bottom. Okay. It has to, you know, it has to be cleaned up. But I also think, Troy, you made a very valid point too—that the NFL, the NFL Players Association, the players, okay, they haven't spoken up about this, you know, this injustice because you—you, you, they're there every day around these coaches. They—they they know who who who's working hard and who's coaching up. So it just can't be status quo. Um, you know, we're just going to throw these, you know, these individuals' names up here. And see what sticks. They're not seeing what sticks. They're not even putting the names up. So we're not even getting our foot in the door, as Darrell mentioned as well. And I, I, think the Players Association, I think the um, the referees. I mean, everybody from top to bottom. It has to be cleaned up. Um, but we just can't go along and play along and stay silent. Yeah. Okay, we can't. We we can't do that. I mean, you, you, we we played that card before. And well, we've been playing it now. And you, you look at guys like Colin Kaepernick and Eric Lee, you know, you know, who took the knee and, and, and see their careers. Well, players, you know, players aren't going to take a knee right now for the coaches, but they can surely, they can surely stand up, okay, and voice what they have to say about this. Because uh, you know, you look at, you know, some of the coaches that are now in the in the in the in the mill talking, you know, Brian Lefwich, okay. Brian Leftwich, hey, he's a former quarterback. He's been doing great down in Tampa Bay. Not to go back and say, hey, Peterson wasn't a good pick for um for Jacksonville. But hey,
0: but why
2: not wait until the, the, why not wait until all the word, of the playoffs, Super Bowl's right. over with and then start that process of coaching, like you said.
0: Right. The the word on yeah. Leftwich is Leftwich didn't want that job because it was just too dysfunctional. That's the word out on the street, that Leftwich turned the job down (laughs) because it was too dysfunctional in Jacksonville. But, I I, I mean, you both, you guys have great ideas of what you would do. Um, I'm going to share mine real quick. Um, Because my thing is this, and this is my thing is this podcast. The host Troy Samson. I got Daryl Wilson with me and Gavin Miller with me today, two special guests from live from Groove City, or not live from Groove City, but from my hometown of Groove City. Uh, Me and Gavin in the DMV area and. Daryl is down in the Georgia Atlanta suburb, Georgia area, Um, and so we're on the podcast today. But my thing is this. This is what I would do to fix this situation with the hiring of minority coaches and minorities in general in the NFL, right? This is how you fix it. You have to fix it with exactly what Brian Flores is doing with legislation because here's the problem. The problem is, is that you have... Egos, everybody's got a certain amount of ego to get to where they are, right? Let's just be real about that. Um, especially when you're talking about making people making millions and millions of dollars, you got to have a certain amount of ego in order to get to that level because you're going to get people talking down to you, people treating you bad. You just got to have a certain amount of ego and drive to get there. Owners of owners of sports teams are just like athletes, except for they in the business world. They got egos and pride. So owners want to win like athletes want to win, right? Owners also don't want anybody telling them what to do with their money and who they're going to hire, right? It's my team. I do what I want with my money. One of the things I would do is, the first thing I would do is to solve the coaching issue is create a coaches union, okay? That has specific guidelines that protect them against things like racial discrimination. The second thing is, let this lawsuit go through. Let this lawsuit go through if it gets to where this thing gets big, they got to go in front of Congress and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you'll see some changes happen. The second thing, or the third thing I would do is I would challenge the players union or work in a collective bargaining agreement with a little bit more leeway from the players union because on the surface, the players union, this is not really they fight because they're the actual workers and they got their union covering that. So who they hire as coaches that doesn't, the players union doesn't cover that, but I would put legislation in place or change the collecting bargaining agreement to allow for something like that where they have some sort of say, not the final say, but some sort of say because, and then protections behind that. Because if they speak up, you got to have protection because all they can do right now is speak up. They can't, the collective bargaining agreement is probably prohibiting them from sitting out games. If they did it in mass though, it would have a more of an effect because nobody wants to see scabs. We've been through scab seasons in NFL. We've been through scab <laughs> seasons in NBA. We've been through scab seasons in um, uh, Major baseball. League Baseball. Mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. nobody wants to see a scab. So those things is what I would institute, but it would have to be, and I have to agree with Bill Roden, who writes for The Undefeated for ESPN, where he talked about it has to be done by force. You have to put some sort of legislation in because they're going to find a way, and, and, and players and coaches have talked about this um, all throughout week at nauseum about how these owners are finding a way around the Rooney Rule. If you put legislation in place and processes, like you said, Daryl, you can't skirt processes and legislation. You can't skirt that. Yeah, I'm a billionaire owner. I can do what I want in my franchise. But can you? Well, if you don't have a certain amount of minorities on your staff, you don't have a certain amount of this qualified people, r- minorities and women. Then you run the risk of either being fine heavily, losing draft picks, or even losing your ownership at all. Now, Stephen Ross, if and this is where it gets tricky with Stephen Ross, the Miami offense don't owner. If it comes out to be true that he did that, the NFL owners can vote together to take his take his squad away from him. Like they did um the Clippers guy, right? But here's the key here's the key cog in this. Chris Greer, the GM. If Chris Greer gets called to, if this makes it to court and Chris Greer gets called to the stand and and uh Brian Flores actually has proof that Chris Greer talked to him about this and was engaging in all this, all that kind of stuff, even though Steven Ross denies it word against word. But if he's got receipts from Chris Greer saying the owner wants you to tank these games, that's a rat for it's a rat for Steven Ross. So that's my thing. Uh Oh, I would fix that because this is my thing is this podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson, Daryl Wilson, Gavin Milligan joining us today. Topic number two. We're going to jump here real quick to – I'm not going to get into Brady's farewell, not mentioning the Patriots because, you know, he does what he wants to do and I think he's hurt (laughs) by that. But we're going to jump in. And, Gavin, I'm going to kick you off with this one. Talk about the HBCU combine.
2: Ah, Thank you, Troy. Hey, Troy. This has been something that that has been dear to me and I've been following it and I've been, I've been, I've actually been waiting for it and it came, it was last week, but you didn't hear about it. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was last week. It was held down to the university of South Alabama mm-hmm. and it was the inaugural uh, HBCU combine in which it actually brought in some really, really great players from HBCUs and they had the ability to actually Test the same way that the big boys do um, in, in Indianapolis. Um, you know they're going to be testing probably uh, starting in March, March first and March seventh. I think mm-hmm. is, is, the, is their combine. Right. Um, so they held it. They held it last week prior to the Senior Bowl, which was played yesterday. Right. And it's it's it, it, it's the first time that these individuals, these these black historically black colleges and universities, have ever had. A platform where these athletes can get together and be analyzed. Their vertical, their bench press, their forties—all of those things are now going to be analytically put into this database. Okay, that when you start looking at numbers and you start seeing uh, the gradings and draft picks and things of that nature, I think some of these guys can hold their stock. Okay, and now this isn't this evens the playing field. To that, that that this combine now allows them to even their stock go up in stock because the last, I want to say the last six years, seven years, there hasn't been one HBCU draft pick. Meaning, it's sixth, seventh, eighth round. That's usually when you get an HBCU pick. Mm-hmm. But you you haven't seen a third round pick. Right. This is what this, this is what this platform is going to do for them now. You might see some some guys who were six round picks now be third fourth round picks, mm-hmm. which is significant in money. Okay, and you know, and all across the positions, man. And I thought I thought this was a great deal. I mean, this is a great big thing for me. I mean, being a uh, being a former college player at a HBCU, um, and knowing some guys who did make the league but made the league not because someone that they had a platform like that. They were almost like a needle in a haystack. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. But, you know, but the but the NFL has found these gems. Okay. As a matter of fact, you know, looking at some of the Hall of Famers, some great Hall of Famers came from HBCUs.
0: Okay. It ain't, it ain't some. It's a lot. Nah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. lot, that came it's from HBCUs. A lot. Yeah,
2: I mean, Walter Payton was an HBCU. Okay, um, Mel Blunt, uh, Richard Dent, Michael Strahan, Jerry Rice, they all came from HBCUs. But these are the guys that I just mentioned, they were the few that made it (laughs) that made the squad. That okay,
0: if you really think about it though, and I'm and I I gotta jump in real quick because you talk about HBCUs and the greats, right. If you really think about it, all the most of the most of the black African American NFL players that came into the league in between the 1960s and I would say the 70s, I would say 80% of them probably came for HBCUs. Cuz you're talking mm-hmm. about Gene Upshaw, Art Shell, you are talking about all the guys you just named, a plethora of them because remember, it wasn't until the money started getting big and college football was kind of waning a little bit cuz if you watch the ESPN 150, college football 150 uh documentaries, right? You'll see, they talk. They do a. They do. A, they do a whole show of ESPN College Football 150 on the integration of African Americans in college football. They do a whole show about that, a whole show about that. And so, you know, back in those days, you know, even back then, they. they, they I mean, the coaching staff that developed these guys, those that, those coaches wasn't wasn't back then eligible or good enough to be in the NFL coaches. Mm-hmm. Those kids, I mean, those guys, the, the Art Shells and the Mel Blunts and Michael Strahan, all these guys, they had a lot of talent, but they also had to be coached. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So, so yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so the, I guess my question, uh, uh, here's a question that I have for you, for both of y'all, and then I'll let Daryl jump, Daryl jump in too on this topic yeah. too. But my question is, we're in 2022, and we have to have a separate combine that's what I was going to ask. that's, that's, that's what that, I'm glad you
1: I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be my my question or my my thought to Gavin, right? It's like, okay, that's a great first step. Yes. that's a good first foot forward. But then again, you you still are comparing HBCUs against HB, HBCUs against other HBCUs, right? And, and and not comparing them to the big boys. Now they'll go on a database where you can kind of analyze all that, but that's a great first step. I think the second step need to be, you know, maybe say the top people from the HBCU combine or just in general, they need to be right in there with everyone else on the NFL combines, right? And compared with everyone else, right, to let people know, you know. Uh, 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 that the Dell States and the, and the other uh, uh, colleges, you know, can compete with Alabama, right, on the same playing field. But I think it's a great first step. But I think we need to take it another step further. I wish I, your thoughts I, on I, that, Gavin?
2: I, well, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Well, hold on, hold on there, Joe. Okay, hold on. All right. Uh, the fact that this is the inaugural, okay. The inaugural HBCU combine is is of course the great step. But what I mean by it's good because we've never had that platform. Now, if we can if we can invite those, those same players, and why does it have to be separate as Troy, you know, as Troy mentioned, you can take these same guys and maybe stretch the combine out a couple more days because you're gonna add more, you know, you're gonna add more people. So you stretch it out a couple more days, but everybody goes through the same interviewing process. Everybody goes through the same testing, the same time. When I was in college, a couple of scouts came down to Delaware State, okay? Only because John Taylor had had been drafted as a you know as a six-round draft choice from the San Francisco 49ers. And we were winning, you know, we were winning the MEAC Championships. So there were people that I played with that only got those looks from. Certain teams, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay, say the Redskins, which was close, the Philadelphia Eagles, which was close, um you know teams like that always came, but they only had like one coach or two coaches to come down okay mm-hmm. they 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 test your vertical, they test your bench press, they test your forty, and it was like, you know what, thank you very much, and that was it right <laughs> that, that was it that you you never you, you know you never had that real where you had that real instance.
0: Did they really? Did they, can, did they even look at film?
2: Oh, they, there's film all over the place, Troy. But they don't look at film. Wow. Hell, during a during a pandemic, okay, during a pandemic, you know, some of these guys that played their senior years on abbreviated schedules for a lot of you know for a lot of colleges and in high schools and things of that nature, there's film on them. You can go back and look at film with YouTube and everything. And, you know, these guys are putting on putting workouts on YouTube and things of that nature. There's a lot of black talent. okay, at these HBCUs that right now have have been either sucked away from the, you know, from the predominantly white colleges or, you know, have had those experiences that that have fallen by the wayside. I mean, I think everybody that played football has always had a dream of going to the league. I mean, if you if you put a pair of cleats on and ever played football, you know, I want to be a football player. I'm going to do, you know, make it to the league. Well, this I think this combine gives those guys now an opportunity to one step closer to fulfill their dreams and not be left out of that, you know, of that that traditional combine that they have. And or, you know, being that that one particular needle in the haystack like you're, you know, like
1: some of the guys that have made it to the NFL
2: without being drafted.
0: Darrell, final thought on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, that's what, uh, I mean, I think, like, that's what I said. I think it's a great first step, right? And I, and I think, first of all, that, you know, it can't just be a check in the box. Like, we, that's what we're talking about with the Rooney Rule and some of these other things. It can't just be a check in the box. Because Gavin mentioned, right, these guys came down to Delaware State, kind of looked at them, looked at their, you know, 40s and, and bench press. And I was like, okay, I've, I've seen enough and I'm gone right, so we we can't have that. you need the NFL teams have to send their top scouters to the nFL to the to their combine just like they do in any, any other combine right and and really really look at it for for what it is. Find the athletes that are out there and give them mm-hmm. a fair share otherwise it's it's gonna be another we'll be talking about this uh, uh in a couple more years that. They're just going in there. We're not seeing numbers increase in the NFL, and they're just going in there and checking the box. And, yeah. you know, that, that that's what we can't have.
0: All yeah. Right. Well, this was the
2: first
1: time that 32 teams were there,
2: and everybody yeah. that was there tested in front of 32 teams. Right. Which, yeah.
0: Well, my thing is this this is the my thing is this podcast. I'm your host, <laughs> Troy Sampson, with Daryl Wilson, Gravin Milligan today. My and, and thing who? is, my, Gavin Milligan, I'm sorry. Uh, um,
2: you call me Gravin.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I get mouths on here, man. I'm sorry. My apologies. But uh, my thing is this is, my and then just to wrap this up and put a bow on it, right? I asked that question in the beginning, why do we have to have it, right, in 2022? It's a legitimate question, but I also think that by having it, it created a solution. And here's the solution. Thinking about this as you guys are talking about this, right? You said all 32 teams were there, right? Or, rep- mm-hmm. or somebody with or representatives, yes. right? Representative. Yes. One of the challenges is with HBCUs is that a lot of the HBCUs are not Power Five schools. So typically, the NFL Combine is centered around Power Five, Power 10, 15, Top Twenty, Fifteen mm-hmm. schools. Those are most of the players that get the invite. Every now and then, you'll see a HBCU a HBCU wide receiver, or a cornerback, offensive lineman, or a, cor- a quarterback pop up in the NFL combine, right? You'll see them mm-hmm. pop up. But by having the HBCU combine, right, now you get because think about it. If I'm say Shiloh Sanders down at Jackson State or Shador Sanders down at Jackson State, right? Mm-hmm. I get the bust of both worlds now. When it's time for me to, when I finish my junior year, time for me to go to NFL, I can now go to the HBCU combine and be seen and then I'll probably, because of my daddy's name, get picked up to go to the NFL Combine. Get invited
2: to go to the NFL. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. And this is also, here's the other thing about that too, is you can also then, based on the 32 teams that come to see you, based on their feedback, get another invite based on their feedback to come to the NFL Combine. Especially and and if you have if you hold it strategic like they did now, where you hold it before the NFL combine, now some players start. now some players are on the radar for HBCUs. And they mm-hmm. may end up getting that NFL combine invite. I have my own personal thoughts about the NFL combine, what it really means, but that's a different story mm-hmm. for a different day because film, <laughs> game film tells you what you need to know, not measurables. 40 times and stuff like that because there's plenty of guys that ran 4 two forties, but they ain't never playing NFL. But anyway, that's a different, mm. to a different day. Moving right along because <laughs> um, most of this podcast today has been centered around race. We got one last topic before I get into my special needs topic about race and that and I'll let Daryl lead this one off and that's Whoopi and the Holocaust. Oh, wow.
1: All right. Yeah. So, you know, everybody know, I think this week, Whoopi got, you know, on a hot seat for saying that the Holocaust was not about race. Right. And, and you know, the Jewish community came out, you know, after uh, on that, because <clears throat> it was, you know, it was about race and just doing a little homework, you know, Hitler, Hitler identified the Jewish community as an inferior race to the other, um, mm-hmm. you know, German community and white supremacist uh, community uh, in Europe, right? And so it was distinct, it was identified as a separate race, right? But, you know, Jewish is you either a descendant of, of a Jewish person or you study Judaism, right? And you abide by the Jewish laws, right? And that way you can become Jewish. Right. But Hitler, Hitler was Hitler thought the Jewish community had uh, uh, as left wing ideals and that they were dangerous and they were an inferior race. So, you know, he he went on and, you know, the Holocaust and we all know six million Jewish folks lost their lives. So I think whoopi and this is uh, my thing is this podcast and my thing is this Whoopi like most of us. When you look at a Jewish person and you look at uh, another white American, you see them as white Americans, right? And if we were in, like she was explaining, if we were in a situation where it came to white supremacists and they were and we were all in you know together, and white supremacists came and, and was about to do something, right? They would look at probably the Jewish and the white American the same way. But they look at the minority different. And I think that was her point. Right. But but she said she said, you know, she she identified it with race and that's where she went wrong. But but that's because we're not educated on that. Right. Because I would have done I would have said the same thing until I, you know, after the fact went and did some digging and looked up some things. Right. I would have said the same thing, not not being educated or understanding. Um, you know, that Jewish is, is a race, right? So, um, you know, that's my take on, I think we need to educate ourselves. I mean, on down, I was talking to my wife about it. I'm like, if you look at a job application in simplest form, you don't see Jewish on there. Right. So what do they check? Right. What do they, like. do on the <laughs> race? What do they, do? exactly. Right. Like. So as, as, exactly. So, you know, as a society and whole in general, uh, we need to educate ourselves on these things, right? But um, you know, she she did apologize. I think it was sincere, and I also think, you know, again that that her knowledge is, you know, what I explained. She she didn't understand, nor do I. She didn't understand that Jewish was a, a separate race. So that's that's my take on it. What do you guys think?
0: Well, let me first of all let me just say this because you mentioned your wife, my sister. Shout out to Elena Wilson. Outstanding, probably the best principal in the Cobb County, Atlanta, Georgia area school system of Lindley Middle School. Shout out to Lindley Middle School and Elaine Wilson. Go ahead, Gab. I'm sorry. I just want to throw that in there.
2: <laughs> it's quite all right. It's quite all right. Well, since this is my uh, this is my thing, is this. My thing is this. Whoopi spoke Whoopi, Okay. Mm-hmm. She spoke Whoopi. Um, if you've ever seen Whoopi on, you know, on the on the view. She's probably one of the most outspoken, outspoken hosts that, that, that's on there. She's been there since the conception of the show um, in itself. And she, and she was being whoopy. And what I mean by being whoopy was whoopy was saying what Whoopi would typically say. And she said it not as a black and white, okay, mm-hmm. as black mm-hmm. and white. As, as you look at the colors in the spectrum, she saw this as black and white it wasn't until like you said Daryl okay that she that she looked back in hindsight when you look at the history and how hitler had had classified the jews as an inferior race so therefore race does come you know does come into this but she was looking merely at in a, in, a, in a spectrum of color she was looking mm-hmm. at a black and white thing because as you mentioned there's on that standard form, there is no Jewish box. It's either white and or black. Right. And I think she was being whoopy. And um, you know, she she probably could have slowed down her thought process a little bit before she opened her mouth. But you know, it was TV, it was live, and she was being who she has been for the last 20 years on that show. She's been an outspoken host. Um, you know, there's been a lot of um, controversy particularly when the McCain lady was there and, you know, and so, you know, they've had quite a few heated discussions and 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 heated views on that show. So it was, you know, it didn't come to a surprise, you know, that Whoopi, you know, would be the one, you know, you know, getting, you know, getting in trouble as we called it, you know, and, you know, suspended her without pay for two weeks. I mean, there was, you know, there's been some other, you know, racial things that had been said on that same show, okay, particularly when that um when that 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 orange guy was in in um you know in office, um, that you know, there was no reprimand um or or any you know disbanding or taking
0: off the air.
2: But um, you know, my thing is this, Whoopi was whoopy. Whoopi was just being whoopy.
0: Got you, got you, got you. All right, so my take, my thing is this. This is my thing is this podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. I got Daryl Wilson and Gavin Milligan on today. My thing is this about the Whoopi thing. I am, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm surprised because Whoopi is a really intelligent woman. Um, And she's shown that through the course of her acting career, even outside of acting with activism, stuff like that. She's a very educated woman. And I was really surprised that she didn't see that when Hitler, uh, everything that Hitler did was, and and you guys can go back and check the record books on this, it was about them being the master race. He always talked about them being the master race. And I'm surprised that Whoopi said that without taking the fact that she tried to make it seem as though it wasn't about race. She said it wasn't about race. She was more talking about religion, I think, because Jewish and Judaism. She mentioned Jewish, right? And a lot of people don't realize that Jewish is not a race, so to speak. It's a, it's, it's more of a, a, a spiritual religion, if you would, if if you will. And so I think she was speaking in terms of that because she wasn't looking at the people in that at least that's what that's what my mind gets out of this at the people but she was looking more at the religion itself that he wanted to get rid of cuz when you say jew you want to get rid of the jews right and so like you guys said there is no checkbox on an application that says jew or jewish right there's no checkbox for that right and so you're right so when if you if you were if something was to happen say a waste world broke out and you put Everybody in their respective corners. Well, you know, the melanated people will be in one corner and the lighter melanated people will be in another. And a lot of our Jewish brothers and sisters will probably be in the other corner, not in the corner with us, right? Because if you look at the skin tone and the melanin, or should I say race, and it wasn't until I think, and this is my thoughts alone, because my thing is this podcast, my thing is this is, you have to dig deep to really... Figure out well who's Jewish and who's not right unless you have unless they have a typical Jewish name, you know, or something like that. But if they, you know, if you just catch them off the street or like the real practicing Jews, like the Hasidic Jews and stuff like that, you can immediately see it because they wear the hats, their, their mm-hmm. clothing, the curl stuff, all those things, right? And so, and and and, and to Daryl's point too, we gotta like educate ourselves because if you don't know, you don't know, right? It's just like educating yourself about other people educate yourself about well, educate yourself about other races of people and we can have another conversation about race cuz i think race is a made up construct um and it's funny when we talk about that because my pastor this morning did a whole sermon because it's black history month on blacks in the bible and he quoted scripture on this where he talks about in you know, the scripture in acts and other places where we all come from one place You know, he talked about um, um, Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhat. He broke it down where, you know, Shem um, came out, and and it's strictly from the Bible. Shem came out, and his skin was known to be olive or dark olive, like olive, olive color. Ham came out, he was definitely like a brother. He was melanated. And then Japhat came out, and he was a little bit more lighter. And he talked about where... You know, each one of them settled down, Shem settled down in the Middle East. So that was the beginning of the Middle Eastern people. Ham settled down in um, Africa, started African folks. And then j settled down in Europe, started Europeans. And so that's the way he broke it down um, when he was giving a sermon this morning, right? And so when you start looking at the context of that, and there's scriptures that says, We all come from one blood. We all made of one blood. That's why if you cut, it don't matter if you cut, if you cut anybody, even animals, what color is the blood? Red, Red, right? So Mm -hmm. And so, so anyway, so that's that, you know, I I just thought that, um, and and I -hmm. thought that she really was speaking straight off the cuff, I think, uh, because Hitler did make it about race. Like to your Mm -hmm. point, he did make it about race. And to your point, Gav, about you know, people have said things on um, the show and get suspended. And you talk about McCain's daughter, right? McCain's daughter was actually one of the first people to come to Whoopi's defense when she got suspended. Oddly enough, but mm. it wasn't. But it wasn't mm. what you thought it was for. It wasn't for defend her and saying, you know, um, she's not wrong and yeah It was the suspension part and how it was handled and, and 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 it wasn't it wasn't it was in favor of Whippy, but it wasn't in favor of Whoopi, Whoopi the way most people would think she would come to Whoopi's defense it was it was it was more to benefit her and her ideology is what she said I forgot exactly what she said but um, but that's where that goes and so you know we'll put a bow on that um, we've had a lively show here we've been been a little bit rapid fire today um, in, our, in our talks <laughs> but um, as you guys know again this is the my thing is this my thing is this podcast I'm your host Troy Sams I have De- uh, Gavin Milligan and Daryl Wilson on with me today and if you guys have heard my podcast before you always know special needs is in my heart because I have a son with special needs living with special needs and so my last topic of the day is I want to talk to everybody and share everybody I don't know if everybody's seen the video and I'll try to bring it up real quick so you guys can see it But there is a barber down in the Atlanta, Georgia area um, named Reed the Barber. Um, Mm -hmm, She works at a mm -hmm. place called Exposed Cuts. And this mom on Instagram posted a video of her son, who's living with autism, getting his hair cut by Reed the Barber. Well, we went through this early on and we tried it one time and after that, Joshua's grandfather started cutting his hair, trying to take Joshua to a barbershop. Especially when he was in his younger years, and he was still self-stemming, had a lot of sensory issues. It wasn't no way that dude was going to sit in that chair and feel them clippers on his head and do all that kind of stuff. And so for a while, you know, my, my late grandf- my late father-in-law, um, Bert Thompson used to cut his hair whenever he needed a haircut. But Reed took on this client. And his mom, um, his name uh, Laquista Arena. Um, and I'll say they're going to be a part of my shout outs when we get done. But she took him to Rita Barber and he couldn't sit still. He was moving all around. So guess what Reed did? If you saw the video, Ree cut his hair as he was moving. She would mm-hmm. make up games and everything. And so let me see if I can share my screen real quick and pull up that video and uh, let you guys see that one example because uh, he's making the news and everything now. Um, hold on a second. Let me see. Is it coming up? Hold on, let me stop sharing my screen. It didn't. Come. It say you started screen sharing. Okay, hold on. It picked the wrong one though. Hold on. Let me see. Okay, here it is. Um, so let me know if you guys can hear this.
1: Yeah, I see a blank screen right now.
0: Oh, okay, so the video is not showing on you on your side. <clears throat> All right, so let me no. just, let me go ahead and stop it. Um, let me see. Hold on. I was just showing my screen share is paused. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, I had a video that I want to show. I'll figure this out. This is the whole video <laughs> part of this podcast. I'm going to be trying to figure out. But anyway, it's the video of, of showing Re in action. He's up mm-hmm. on, he's got his iPad in his hand. He's, he's he's on the floor running around. He's doing all these things. And um and it's funny because, you know, Re is being patient with this young brother she is being very patient with this young cat. And so it's just one of those things that, you know, we have to be mindful of how we interact with kids with special needs and stuff like that. And I, I thought Reed did a phenomenal job. I mean, she even got to a point where, you know how people get their hair cut and they use the razor to line them up? She mm-hmm. even got to a point, she was able to do that. And I said that like, when I saw the video of that, I was like, that's a straight razor. Isn't she worried about him moving suddenly? But what she did was the way she grabbed his head, he was still focused on his iPad. And while he had his head in that position, she held it like this and then trimmed him up so he wouldn't move. But nonetheless, every time he goes to get his hair cut, she does her thing. And so they've they've been on um the news and they've been on, I think, one of the national talk shows recently that I saw. But shout out to Rita Barber. And, you know. Parents live with, with children living with special needs, especially autism, um, have a tough time just getting basic services. And we, knew, we need more barbers out there like Ree to be able to do that and show that compassion and love um, because most most barbershops you go through is like locker rooms. And so, you know, if you got a kid that uh, can't keep still, some barbers will be patient and some barbers will be like, man, I hope they don't bring that kid back no more. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know. yeah. I just want to give a shot. So, what are your, what are you guys thoughts on that? Well,
1: I mean that's commendable, definitely. Um, but we talked about a little bit about this last time. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Reese a barber, right?
0: Yeah, Ree, She's mm-hmm. a barber. She's a and,
1: female, and yeah. she's educated on the dis- the the special needs of that that individual. Some barbers, mm-hmm. right? Unless I think unless they're educated on it. We'll look at and we talked about this, you know, uh, Troy before where, you know, where they're not educated on different things of a special needs child and they just look at it as behavior. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. That's just a behavior problem. So I don't want to come back in my seat. I can't deal with this. This person is moving around. They just not, you know, they need to sit still, you know, even probably get on the parent, make this child sit still. Right. So I, I, I think it's commendable. Um, but I think also, too, um, a- again, back to educate, educate, you know, maybe some of our barbers need that. Right. Some educational. OK, this is, you know, he's dealing with this. This is maybe how you handle it, blah, blah, blah. And then and then they'll get in, go into it with a better knowledge and and and, and be able to act like more like Reed. Mm-hmm. And not just with Barbara, but I'm just talking about in general. Right. right?
0: right. And
1: a lot of times I don't think I don't think and maybe they don't know some parents. I, I Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're not, you know, like you and Paula, y'all clearly know y'all in it. Y'all agree. Y'all do your thing. Maybe some parents don't know or the child hasn't been diagnosed yet or something like that. They don't get that information over to the person providing service, which mm-hmm. they could probably provide a better service if they understood what they mm-hmm. were dealing with.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my thing is this. Right. <laughs> All right. Gab, what do you think?
1: <laughs> hey, um, well, you know, I'm
2: a big fan of your show, Troy. And uh, you had mentioned Ree probably about three or four weeks ago,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, this story. And I, I went back and I had a chance to actually look at the video. And it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, he's running around the barbershop, you know, and she and she's made it a game. Mm-hmm. She made it a game mm-hmm. as, as, as he was literally on the floor with, his, with the cape, okay, right. you know. She, you know, she she's getting a little bit here. OK, it's like she she's getting in where she fits in, so right. to speak, mm-hmm. his whole realm of his whole mind and what he's doing, because, he know, he's not going to sit in that chair. Right. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he is not going to sit in a chair. And um, just just her, the way that she 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 did her service and the patience that she had with him. Um, was phenomenal, but it, I, I think she has also educated herself as Daryl was saying, you know, she, she took the time to educate herself or the parent of that special needs child took the time to educate re on, look, you know, he, he has a disability. Okay. And she took it upon herself to, to be like, okay, as a barber, how can I get into his mind mm-hmm. and fit into his world? Mm-hmm. Because that's what like she actually did. She fit into his world where he wasn't threatened. Okay. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't threatened. Um and, and he and he was still, you know, moving around and doing what he was doing, but she made it a game. He it was non threatening. And the the haircut turned out to be to be pretty bomb. It really didn't um, turn
0: out. She'd be she be, use, she be using straight rays and be putting parts in that mm. young man's hair, man. She'd be getting Look, it in. The, yeah.
2: I was surprised to see how the hair could a, a fade everything. She faded them up. Wow. It was tight.
0: Yeah. So, so, so thank you for, thank you guys both for those great points. And, um, my thing is this, this is my thing is this podcast. So here's my perspective on it. Well, number one, shout out to mom, you know, Laquista, um, being an autism mom, she took it upon herself to educate, you know, re, for what's going on and to you guys's point right to daryl's point about not knowing or having a diagnosis right some parents may not feel comfortable sharing it even if they know they might feel comfortable sharing that information with the barber that they take their child to and i think that makes a lot of parents reluctant and so you see a lot of kids as they start to get older especially boys just live with special needs that may be a little bit more on a uh, have a little bit more self stimming and a little bit more other actions going on walking around with long haircuts or haircuts that just don't look lined up because the parents just went and got some clipper just buzzed it all off and just keep it buzzed mm-hmm. off that way, right? And so the mm-hmm. other thing that stands out to me about this is shout out to Ree for being patient. Here, here, here's the thing that stands out the most, right? Re is so comfortable in her barber skill mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter how he moves. If you're comfortable doing what you do and you know how to do what you do, mm-hmm. right? She is comfortable in her skill set to be able to cut this child's head and do it well with him moving. Mm-hmm. Some I, I'm not gonna say I'll say some barbers, you know, and you know growing up with us, you know, Levin Lee and them, keep your head still, boy. Keep your head still. Exactly. Right. So so you know so um um some barbers are not comfortable with you moving your head around like that because it cuz they are so tuned in but she's she is adopted she's she's comfortable enough in her skin and her skill set to be able to cut this child's head on the floor in a chair him hanging off the chair when I saw the pull out the straight razor bro I was like man this chick is comfortable Right, because right. she had a straight razor on his head, and I was like, "If he moves," but again, she's taking time out to educate herself. Mom has educated her, and the biggest thing she has is patience. Yeah, mm-hmm. think about that, right? Because mm-hmm. because we live because we because because we live in an era of, you can't just walk into a barbershop shop now. You got to get an appointment, right? And then every mm-hmm. barber, most barbers have a schedule, right? Some barbers mm-hmm. every thirty minutes they have an appointment, right? So she's comfortable enough that maybe she might be leaving some dollars on the table or she set it up where mom, you come on this particular day because I don't have that many clients or this particular day I'm going to block out for him, right? Mm -hmm. Because she knows it's going to take her instead of 30 minutes to cut his head, it might take her 45 to an hour because he's moving Mm -hmm. around and all those Mm -hmm. things. And then of course, over time, she'll be able to cut that down to back to 30 minutes, probably because she's got the skill and expertise and, and and it's a common thing. And he'll get used to it too, to where, boom, mm-hmm. it's it. Here's the other thing it's also doing my last and final point. If she's in a, if she's actually in a in a because you know everybody goes to salons now, right? Where everybody's got their booth or their own private room, right? But if she's actually in a shop where she's in a room with other barbers and other chairs, right? Mm-hmm. My prayer. Is that those other barbers are educating themselves watching her, and my mm-hmm. prayer is she's educating other barbers about this too. Mm-hmm. That that she's around too, because like I said, you know most most places you go to, everybody's got these salon suites, right? So you go, you may book your appointment, you go to the salon, you gotta be buzzed in or whatever case may be, and then your stylist or barber is in their own little you know four window mm-hmm. eight by eight booth, right? If she's in a barbershop. Even if she's not in a barbershop, I hope she's educating. Well, she's got to be in a barbershop because most those salon booths are small. And she and you saw how, how much, how much yeah. she was around. That's a barbershop. That's a barbershop. That's a, that's a full so, barbershop. So, again, my, my prayer is that she is, just by example, educating the other barbers. And then also um, schooling them in terms of talking to them, too. So, shout mm-hmm. out to Rita Barber. And speaking of shout outs, we're going to transition into the shout out portion of my thing hey, is this podcast. But go ahead, Daryl. Troy, real
1: quick. Just one, just one thing on Ree. um uh, As you were talking, I was thinking about she probably practiced. Did some practicing on her own or something, right? I know she didn't just start, you know, uh, cutting on or cutting that hair that, that way. So I, I bet she spent some time practicing on okay if they do this I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do this this is how I'm gonna handle this getting herself ready to to be an expert or to have an expertise in cutting uh, special needs child. You
0: know what girl, I, I don't know because this is her I think this might be her only client and this might be trial and error for her. She may have just learn this just by him mm-hmm. by him yeah, yeah. I think she may learn this by mm-hmm. him uh-huh. by him. And so he, you know, okay, you know, God puts things in our lives for different reasons, That's different true. seasons, and maybe He put. Well, I know I am. Maybe He put this young man in her, in her season or her life in this season for a reason, because yeah. here the the attention that is giving is raising awareness of special needs. Think about that. Right. Right. Even though it's even though it's as simple it's as simple as a haircut, right? Now people are seeing, oh, a young autistic young man is getting his hair cut by a fantastic barber. You got other barbers watching this now. She's got she put po- every time on I and mean, I'm gonna get to shallows in a minute, but on her Instagram feed, you know, she's she's putting the videos of her cutting his hair. Her mom is awareness. sharing videos of cutting his hair. Awareness. So it's the mm-hmm. awareness that's going on. So Yes. Uh, I'm gonna um, check
1: that out then. I'm gonna yeah, check, that check out. Check it out. So yeah.
0: Um, we're gonna go to the shout out portion on my thing is this podcast again you know like I always like to do at the end of my podcast I like to sh- shout people out um I don't really like to do like like super famous people that's already got followers and likes I like to do the small the small folk the smaller folks you know if that's, if that's if that's the way to say it but the small folks people that I know people that I follow um that aren't that don't have a million followers or it's not a store or whatever the case may be so I need to give a shout out so my first shout out is because it's black history month not only that is to all our ancestors that paved the way for us um as part of black history month okay all those ancestors right that paved the way for us mlk malcolm x wb e. boys carter g woodson the whole nine that we talk about that we learn in school and black history Month, which should be black history year or all it shouldn't be a black history it should be just a yearly thing and we can have another podcast talk about how they are trying to ban all of our history out of schools or take the slavery and stuff like that out of schools well that's another topic for another conversation so shout out to all them all of our ancestors that have paved the way for us and those that are still doing it to this day that are serving in those capacities whether it's politically religiously or uh, whatever also shout out to Trayvon Martin I think his birthday was either yesterday or the day before yesterday um mm. And I think Trayvon would have been probably 20, 21 years old, I think now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it in his 20s now. So shout out to Trayvon. I saw his mom post something on Happy Birthday to him. It's been floating around in social media. So happy birthday to Trayvon Martin. And then shout out to Exposed Cuts, a.k.a. Rita Barber. She's a barber down there in Duluth, Georgia, in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia area, down in Duluth. And she's cutting this young man's head with autism by any means necessary. Her Instagram handle is at Exposed Cuts and that's E-X-P-O-Z-D-T-U-Z Cuts uh, on Instagram and TikTok and shout out to the young man's mom and she's on Instagram too she's an autism mom and it's Laquista Arena all one word L-A-Q-I-S-T-A-E-R-I-N-N-A Laquista uh, on Instagram and so shout out to both of them shout out to the mom for just inspiring people you know because when one of the things and i'll get to the other shout outs in a second but one of the things that is really really needed in the special needs community in terms of parents right is to know that they're not alone they're Mm -hmm. not in this by themselves and so you know when we see laquista sharing her videos of her of her son getting a haircut by Ree, that's inspiring other parents to maybe find a barber that can can do that you know that can you know, maybe even bring other kids with special needs to re-shop, um, to get their hair cut by re, Or maybe inspire re to teach other barbers how to do that, what she's doing. Um, so shout out to both of them. Uh, I'm going to go local for this the second one. Um, I'm going to shout out my girl, Leilani Chase. Um, Leilani used to, ironically, a- La- Leilani is a family friend. Um, she used to date, uh, Devin. You know, Devin, uh, Gav, mm-hmm. son mm-hmm. when he was in high school at Archbishop Carroll. Um, she used to date Devin back in the day, and so I follow her on Instagram, and she's got a, I shouted her out, what was it, last, a couple podcasts ago, she gets just started a candle company, but she's got another company that is called Bargain Bay Buys. The word bargain, the word bay, B-A-E, and the word buys, and her Instagram handle is bargainbuys, at bargainbuys, and her website is bargainbaybuys.com. Again, her Instagram is at Buys, And what she does is, she's a shopper. She goes out and finds bargains. Dude, she posted one video on there where she found like some $450 shoes for like $90 that are like Marshalls or somewhere. She's one one of those type of ladies that goes out and finds these deals on high-priced items. And so she started her own website called Bargain Bay. I mean, she be finding some abstract expensive stuff, bro and be like she'll post it on her you know instagram on her website and i'd be like you found some michael kors you found a michael kors purse for how much that it was normally like 800 bucks she found it for like 175 200. so she goes out there and find those bargain basement buys and so she's bargain bargain bay buys and so she finds those buys that's leilani chase again at bargain bay buys all one word and then the last person is a, a woman that I actually stumbled across on Instagram who's a hip-hop head. And she actually lives out in California. Her name is Dana, a.k.a. Mac Fikes. And Dana is a author. She's a hip-hop head. She's a motivational speaker. She's a yoga instructor. She's a Rottie owner. So she's got a Titus. Mm. And she always posts on Instagram <laughs> with her Titus, right? And her right. website is Dana Mac. That's Dana, M-A-C-C. .com, danamack.com. And she wrote a children's book. Um, And the children's book is entitled The Pirate Who Loved Flip Flops. Hmm. Uh, it's an interesting <laughs> book. Pirate Who Loved Flops. Or as I say, it's Pirate Who Loved Flops, not Flip Flops, but Pirate Who Loved Flops. Uh, her Instagram handle is, um one of them is at uh, idmack, that's I, the letter I, the letter D, <clears throat> M-A-C-C and then her other Instagram handle is Dana Mac at Dana Mac. That's D-N-A D A N A M A C C at Dana Mac. So if you get an opportunity, check out these people that I just shouted out. <clears throat> Shout out to our ancestors. Shout out to Trayvon Martin. Shout out to Rita Barber. Um, Exposed Cuts. Shout out to Laquista Arena, Autism Mom. Shout out to Leilani Chase, Bargain Bay buys, and shout out to Dana Dane. I call it Dana Dane. Dana Mac Fikes, um, ID Mac and Dana Mac, um, .com, and they're also on Instagram. So shout out to those ladies. Um, check them out if you get an opportunity. And like I said, I don't, you know, we could we could shout out like people, products that already got money, they got millions, but I like to shout out the little people, man. That is just me. And somebody may say, Well, why are you shout these people out? Because I can. This is my podcast. Right? Shout out who I want. Right? right. So, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, last week I shouted out um, I think it's AG 365, um, Arm of Glory Faith, my man Terrence Jackson. He's a – I uh I met Terrence at our church, he's a former Oklahoma Sooner. Uh, he played football mm-hmm. at Oklahoma Oak uh, University, of Oklahoma. But he's got a Christian clothing line, athletic clothing line, AG three sixty five. Funny story about Terrence, right? It was called Armor Glory at first. Yes, yes. Under Armour, Under Armour came back and sued him, so he had to change the name. It was like you smart. And when he went, you know, because I bought some merch off of him, right? And I was talking to him when I went to pick up my merchandise, right? And we had a long conversation, bro. And I was like, you said Under Armour sued you? He said, yeah, man, because I had Armour Glory. That's why AG, he had a short up coming up with name. AG. AG, right? Mm -hmm. It's AG365. And so check him out on Instagram as well, at AG365. But he just came up with a new line, right? And them them clothes is fire, man. So check him out. Um, I think it's um, agfaith.com um i think it's ag no ag3 ag faith 365 or ag i can't remember what it i I have to find it and get it for everybody but but if you're on instagram whatever check him out armor glory or ag faith 365 or you can just google ag faith 365 you go to his new site and i was like he, he put out his new line on instagram the other day i was like bro this is fire bro i was like oh snapples this is fire right (laughs) <laughs> and so he, he sent me a note back laughing out loud, right? And so, you know, again, this is the My Thing Is This Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Um, this week I had my man Daryl Wilson, my boy Gavin Milligan. Um, and we hope everybody enjoyed this podcast. And, um, you know, we're going to be back next week. Um, I don't know if these fellas will be back, if they want to be back, but um, I'll be back next week. You know, I like to shake it up a little bit. And in 2022, I was like – let me start having some guests on because, you know, doing this by myself, kind of feels like I'm just rambling a little bit. So I'm like, let me have some guests on that has some other perspective and stuff going on. So, you know, this is the second week I've had a guest on. You know, of course, the previous guest I had on, I had your brother-in-law, Gav on the Big O. That, that yes, podcast yes, was yes. fire. I got a lot of wisdom and pearls yes. of wisdom. And then I had the guy on that got me started in the podcast, Kevin Wims, who is, um, he has a podcast called The Real, Real Talk with the Sixth Man. And uh, he's the one that interviewed Jamal Jackson on his podcast. Jamal Jackson went to Dell State. Mm -hmm. He was an offensive lineman played for the Ravens when you talk about HBCUs and Dell State. Mm -hmm. So Kevin actually interviewed um, Jamal Jackson on one of his podcasts. And so, you know, keep this thing going. I got some ideas for some other things. I'm going to try to see if I can't get this video thing going so that these things can be on video. But I also got some ideas for some some podcasts for the special needs community um, as well. Um, I got a couple ladies that or die, or, or really, they—they they in the mix. They got special needs children, and they on the front lines, you know, battling and fighting for their children every day. So I'm thinking about doing a podcast for them. Um, also, just a, a little plug, and um, to you guys to, to to check check it out and support a brother. Um, I'm going to be on a panel of uh, special needs. It's a panel coming up in um, August. Oh no, uh, I think it's just—I think it might be this month. Let me let me go back and check real quick. Um. To confirm to see where that is, um, I actually did a Zoom call with one of the with two of the ladies that I work with on CCAC. and um, it's going to be published as part of a series of panel discussions about special needs um, going forward. Um, hold on one second. Uh, let's see. But this has been fun, man. This has been you know. This has been great yeah. man. it's, it's always yeah, a blast. I enjoyed it. It's always I a blast. It myself. Us. Enjoyed, I enjoyed it. myself. Yeah, well, hey Troy,
2: before before we, before we disconnect, can you give me the name of your intro music? I love that song, man.
0: <laughs> oh, right. I got to I got to dig in the crates. I, there's a story behind that, man. I, there's a story behind that, right? So, when I um when I first started the podcast, right? I was looking for opening and closing music, right? And so um, I was like, "Well, man, let me let me go ahead and, you know, I'm a Tribe Called Quest fan, right? So I said, let me go ahead and, you know, use Tribe Called Quest as, you know, um, my um, uh, intro and outro music, right? But here's what happened. When I started doing more research on doing podcast, fellas, come to find out, if you're going to use an artist's music, you have to get permission to do it. Mm-hmm. So the music that you hear on my podcast, I found that on a stock music site. You know how people have stock photo sites? So you don't mm-hmm. get caught, co- so you don't hit with copyright. Well, it's basically a free music site. And they didn't necessarily give a name to it. And so I just was clicking on them and found one. And um, you know, uh was able to come across one um and i was like cool so i i found that one and downloaded it chopped it up in um garage band because because i mean the actual song is a lot longer than what you guys hear i mean it's like four minutes long man so i had to cut it down to like maybe a minute and 30 seconds the intro and outro and so once i cut that down i just added um my uh my voice to to the beginning and the end of it, and um, then plugged it into my, my my pod track as one of my buttons, and the rest is history. But I'll go back and look to see if it's actually a name. I'll go back and give you I can I can send you the information on the website where it is. But yeah, that's a, that's a stock that's a stock uh a stock music. I can't like well, I said I was gonna do the intro to um the luck of Lucy M from the trial call "Quest." Yeah. And I couldn't <laughs> yeah. do that. And so I had to, I had to back up and take that off. Um, because I would, I would got, I would get in trouble for that. So, well,
2: I like it, man. And it's a great way to start your, you know, to start the podcast it man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when, when it's playing, you just get a feel, you just want to bounce, you know, want to bounce a little bit. Right. So, I want to, I want (laughs) to thank you guys for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so one, a quick shameless plug, I'm going to be part of a, a, a a summit called the Decoding Behavior Summit and it starts on, it runs through February 11th through the 13th. You can sign up for it for free, but uh, on the 11th, um, these are all, I think these are all pre-recorded sessions. So on the 11th, Myself, um, Pam Talley, are being interviewed by a lady named Sarah Whalen. These two ladies are actually on my CCAC board. And our topic is going to be inequities in education. How schools make it difficult for neurodivergent kids. And so Pam, I, and Sarah are going to be uh, in an interview. It's like an interview style thing. We're going to be um, talking about that. And they're going to make that available to the public on February 11th. The summit actually runs from February 11th through February 13th. And... Um, it's, uh, it's going to be great um, and I'll probably just do another plug, a, a little one track plug on this, maybe a podcast plug, but I'll send you guys a link information how you can register for it. It's free of charge, so you don't have to worry about paying for it, but if you get an opportunity, just go out there um, and check it out and uh, let me know what you think. Um, when I got the information back and got all the information and everything like that, I sent my wife a text. I sent her the, the page, or should I say... um. The actual agenda page. Let me see if I can share it real quick, and see. Let me know if you guys can see it. You guys see that page? hmm mm-hmm. It's a little girl. It said decoding. Um, well, actually, let me scroll. Decoding um, behavioral summit. Mm-hmm. So basically, yeah. it's just uh, it's just a topic of, of conversation amongst a, a lot of professionals, and I'm going to be on the 11th. Inequities in education. How Schools Make It Difficult for New Divergent Kids, myself and Pam Tally, and interviewed by Sarah Whalen. So that's going to be on there. So I was like, I text my wife this this uh, this, this flyer right here. I was like, I said, your boy's boy going to be on TV. Yeah, well, I ain't necessarily <laughs> TV, but it's online. I said, check mm-hmm. out your boy. And she was like, oh, my God. So yeah, so so these are the things that, I'm, that I think God is pulling me to, these type of things, mm-hmm. like with this podcast mm-hmm. with the ladies. You know, I already, already do a, a dad's group on Wednesdays the first Wednesday of the month uh, a group called Davicates, Advocates um, that we come together every first Wednesday of the month and I did a presentation on safety. Um, it's going to be a three-part series. I found a great um, document on safety by um, the Organization for Autism Research, OAR. They put together like 140-page documents that goes over all the safety things you need to worry about for you when you have a child with a special need of autism from childhood to They cover childhood, they cover adolescence, and they cover adult. And so these are tips about physical safety, environmental safety, physical and sexual safety, because, you know, our kids with special needs are vulnerable. They're four times more likely to be sexually abused Mm -hmm. um, than um, typical children. Um, And just a bunch of stuff like that. So I did part one of child to uh, two years old to 12 years old with my dad's on Wednesday. And so depending on what the, the, the pandemic looks like in March... We may, I may do part two, or we may do an outing. So, you know, we try to do two meetings and an outing. And so, I'm just trying to, you know, give back, you know, what God has given me to share with people, and God has graced me and Paula with, with Joshua, just trying to give some of that back, man, to to a lot of parents out there that either don't know or that are struggling. So, that's what I'm doing, brothers. But I'll send right. you guys, I'll send you guys the link information, and yeah. uh, go check it out, register for it, check it out, and then um, let me know what you think. Uh, if you share it with other people too, when I send it to you, share it with others. So I'll try to, I'll see if I can't put it on social media as well um, to share it out. But again, it's a pleasure having you guys and brothers on a, on the call again or on the podcast this week. Um, great show, um, you know. Give yourself a round of applause for a great show. Um, it's all always on point. And um, listen, this is the my thing is this podcast. I'm your host, Troy Sampson. Gavin Milligan, Daryl Wilson and we out of this joint thank you very much for tuning in this week, be sure to tune in next week, hit the like and subscribe buttons and then remember the next time somebody says something suspect or uh, tell them my thing is this because your opinion matters I'm your host Troy Sampson have a blessed week and we are out we